Well, that's just a great song for the invitation because it ties right in with our lesson. I, I thought about that. I went, what song would be good? I'm glad Luke was on, on key there to uh, pick a good song to fit right in with our study tonight. Well, we're happy to be here, happy for the occasion to teach the Word of the Lord, and that's exactly what we're studying is God's Word. So we hope that you'll just follow along and open the Word together as we look here in John, the sixth chapter. In John chapter 6, notice there number 68 and 69, it says, Then Simon Peter answered, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. That's our topic tonight, is that phrase, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? That kind of be the focus as we develop our lesson here this evening. First thing we want to talk about from this great Bible text is sort of look at the context of what kind of spurred the occasion uh, for Peter to give these words. And that uh, begins there in number 60. Jesus had been teaching here uh, about how we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. And the point is, that is, we've got to make a wholehearted, total commitment in serving him. It's it's an old part-time thing, and it's something that we must be totally consumed in in following God, that we give uh, 100%, not something that we just sort of do as a, as a hobby. Christianity is not a hobby. It's a way of life. It's a vocation. I like the phrase that, that is used there in Ephesians chapter 4, that we walk worthy of the vocation. Vocation is, is kind of a way of life. It's our way of living, how we make a living. And so it is. Christianity is a way of living. As you look there in uh, verse 60, well, there were some things that were a little bit difficult as uh, the text tells us. It says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard the saying, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? This is a hard saying. Interesting, the term means difficult or hard. Ideal being dry. Kind of like when things are really dry. It's very difficult for like farmers. If you have a garden, when things are very dry and difficult. Uh, and that's the, the whole point. That they were listening to the teaching of Jesus. And they said, boy, this pretty hard. And sometimes there are things indeed that are hard when it comes to the word of the Lord. I think about the command to love your enemies. That's not an easy thing to do. When people are mistreating you and they lie about you and they do all kinds of things to, 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 to persecute or, or to smack, smack you in the face or whatever it might be in, in a way of persecution, yet we are to do our enemies good, to love our enemies. To have an unconditional act of goodwill toward them. And, and that's not easy. And so in those times, we seek the Lord to say, Lord, help me. Help me to do what I need to do. And what happens here? They say, well, now, this is, this is kind of hard to hear. Uh, I mean, who, who's able to, to hear this? And then in verse uh, 61, when Jesus knew it himself, that his disciples murmured at it. Mur- murmuring is a onomatopoeic word, that is the where it sort of sounds like it means, like the plain zoom, onomatopoeia, or the bee buzzed, murmuring, and so it says low, muttered, complaining, grumbling. So they're grumbling at the teachings of Jesus here. They're sort of murmuring at that. And uh, he says there in verse 61, does this offend you? Does this bother you? As uh, as uh, they, they uh, talk to him about this. <clears throat> 
And so he goes on to say, who and if uh, shall see uh, the Son of Man ascend up where he is, where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. All right. So Jesus' teaching appeals to the inward man. He appeals to the heart of man. He appeals to the mind, to the psyche. He appeals to our, our sense of reasoning and understanding. And, and that's what we have to appeal to is divine truth. That we appeal to the intellect. And appealing to the intellect, it also appeals to the emotions when we understand the truth and, and comprehend the truth. And so that's what he appeals to. And then it says in verse 64, uh, But there are some of, of you that believe not. The Lord was pretty aware that sometimes you have people that are so-called disciples or followers, but it, it's sort of shallow that there's not really true depth of heart and, and faith and conviction in following after Jesus. For Jesus knew from the beginning who uh, were that uh, who they were that believed not, and who should be, who should betray him. I mean, even knew Judas was going to betray him, and that uh, he would fall into the trap of Satan. Therefore, he said, uh, therefore said I unto you <clears throat> that no man can come can come to me except it were given him of my Father. Now look at the picture here, verse sixty-six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Many. It says many. Now we learn that he fed like thousands earlier in the chapter. I, when it says many, I tell you, it may have been hundreds. Maybe may been a few thousand. Boom. They just leave. I mean, this, this seems a little bit difficult. These would-be disciples, they just sort of leave. And when you're out in a big open area, I don't think they were... In, Maybe in a, in a in a confined building like this, maybe a lot of the teaching was done out in the open. I mean, like he would get in a boat there at the Sea of Galilee, and, and that would kind of be his platform, and all those people up upon the upon the bank would be listening, and he would be teaching. And so you would think in a big open area, and here are these people just skedaddling away. They're just walking away. And so you, you understand the image here. Here are those people just just leaving. They're walking no more with him. And then that brings us to the, uh, the, what happens in verse 67. As you look in verse 67, then he asked the twelve. It says, Jesus, uh, said on, uh, uh, then Jesus said unto the twelve, will you also go away? I mean, here's maybe hundreds, possibly a few thousand people just sort of departing and heading out and going home. And so he talks to the twelve. He he turns to the twelve and says, well, what about you? Will you also go away? And then, as we look at that question, we look at Peter's affirmation. When Peter says the words there in verse 68, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. The Lord, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? If we leave you, who are we going to turn to? What are we going to turn to? What organization could we turn to? What individual could we turn to? What teacher could we turn to? I mean, you're going to go back to the law of Moses and merely follow the law of Moses? I mean, Moses foretold the coming of the Messiah, and we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And if we turn from you, whom shall we turn to? And so, a very powerful affirmation there. And then notice as he continues on after saying, Lord, whom shall we turn to? 
He goes on to say, you have the, we believe and are sure that thou that Christ, the Son of the living God. We're fully confident you're the one that has the words of eternal life. And that is the Lord, that is the absolute truth, undeniable truth. Jesus is the one with the words of eternal life. And as we're going to sing this song uh, in a few moments here, in the invitation, Lord, where can I go? I mean, where can we go? If we don't follow Jesus, where could we possibly turn? I mean, Jesus is it. He's the only one that can get us from earth to heaven. Now, there are other verses that make the same affirmation. Look there in John chapter 14 and verse 6. In John 14 and verse 6, uh, where he, well, verse 4, he says, And whither I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am a way. No, didn't say that. He says, I am the way. The definite article, the. I am the way. I'm not a way, if you talk about a way, well, there's uh, a way to get to Lexington, you go up Interstate 75. Or another way to get to Lexington, you go up 27. Or if you want another way, you could go uh, the parkway and hit 127 and go north. I mean, there are different ways to get there. There are many ways to get to Lexington. I guess you could take a plane and fly to Cincinnati and then come south. But when Jesus says, I am the way... Well, there's only one way. It's like getting to Key West, Florida. If you're going to drive in an automobile, there's only one way that goes down at the tip of Florida and, and follows the keys and the bridges and it'll take you to Key West. There's only one way to Key West, Florida. And there's only one way and Jesus is it. He says, I am the way. And then he goes on to say, I am the way, the life, and I am the truth. Again, same point. The truth. The life. It's not one of many. I'm not a way. I'm not a truth. I'm not a life. And, well, you can pick me, or if you prefer somewhere, somebody else or some other teacher, well, that, that'll be good too. No, it doesn't work that way. It's only in Jesus. It is only in the Son of God that we can get from earth to heaven, that we can make our life, life right and find life eternal is through the Son of God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's exclusive. And that's where folks sometimes get kind of riled up about it. I mean, Jesus is exclusive. If we said, well, you know, Christianity is one way, and, and any other religion is another way, and and doesn't make any difference, we're all going the same place, and, and you can choose Jesus, or you can choose somebody else, or choose some other uh, means to get there. Well, folks wouldn't get riled up, but when you say Jesus is the way, He is the one with the words of eternal life, well, folks don't like that. But that's the truth of the matter. I'm concerned about getting to heaven. I'm concerned about being right with God. I don't know about you, but I can just speak for myself that I'm concerned about following Jesus because He says He is the way. He's the one with the, with the words of eternal life. And then look there in the book of Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4. In verse 10 and following, Peter says, Be it known unto you, uh, unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God uh, raised, uh, raised from the dead, <clears throat> uh, even by him doth this man stand, 
uh, here before you, whole, that is this man that was uh, lame that we read about there in chapter 3 that was healed by a miracle. It was by the power of Jesus. This fellow that you killed, but God raised him from the dead. This is the stone which the which is set a knot and, uh, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. <clears throat> Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. Did you hear that? Neither is there salvation in any other. It's only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus that there's salvation. You can't find salvation anywhere else. It's only in Jesus. That's what Peter said. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name uh, under heaven. Well, just look around all around the planet. Under heaven. And I guess if you want to get on a spaceship and go to Mars, it's going to be the same there too. don't know why you want to go there because you'll probably wind up dying there. It's kind of like a one-way uh, ticket there. They might, they might get a, they might get a spaceship there, but they won't have the energy to get off the planet, so it's like a one-way, one-way ticket. But you're not going to find salvation if you go to Mars, or you go to Moon, go to the Moon. You can look all the countries and all the places around the world, but it's only in Jesus because there's none other name uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We want to be saved from sin. Well, we've got to come to Jesus. And this truth found in His Word. And then you look there in the book of Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, it says, Though He were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which He suffered. Now, when it talks about uh, the, the, that He learned, learned He obedience, that, uh, He didn't learn the concept of obedience. He always understood obedience, but He understood coming to planet Earth, what it means to obey and suffer for it, because before he was in heaven, and all that, and in the glories of heaven, but he came to this world and took upon a tabernacle of flesh and lived among us, and, and at times he suffered, of course, for uh, doing the will of God, and so he learned to uh, to obey God, and uh, the concept of obedience and suffering for that, and being made perfect, that is, as the complete sacrifice for our sins and our transgressions, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Now, this word author, other translations just simply says, he is the source of eternal salvation. Where is the source of salvation? Well, it's in Jesus. It's described right here in the person of Jesus Christ and his truth revealed in the scriptures in what we call simply the Bible. It's not a Bible, it's the Bible because there's only one. It's like... It's like Jesus the Christ. That is, there's only one Christ. There's, there's not two or three or four or five that he's, that Jesus is a, a Christ as if there were many. No, he's, there's only one. He's Jesus the Christ. And the word Bible, of course, means book, but there's only one book. It's called the Bible, the book. Because it's the only book that emanates from God, that gives us the information of how we're going to get from earth to heaven, and how to be saved, and how to be redeemed. And so he says that he is the author, he's the source of eternal eternal salvation to all them that obey him. See, there's got to be faith and obedience in in complying and receiving the, the blessings of Jesus Christ. It only comes in Christ Jesus. There is no other Savior, there's no other way, there's no other person, there's no other organization, there's nothing. And so the question uh, and the point of Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I mean, just it, it's just a resounding rhetorical question. Well, there is no other. Jesus, you are the one that has the words of eternal life. 
Lord, to whom shall we go? I mean, where could we possibly look? Well, there is no other place to look. But when you look at human beings, yeah, they've, they're looking some places that, that, that people have searched and, and put confidence in, looking for life beyond this world, looking for salvation, looking for something uh, of redemption, and looking for a better place through somebody else other than Jesus. And let me just throw out a few examples of what we're talking about. Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? That has the words of eternal life. And yet what we see, unfortunately, is many cases. Like, for instance, if you don't recognize that, that's an image from ancient Egypt of paganism. Of these people that worship uh, Oresus and Isis. Oresus and Isis were false gods. Now let me give you the example, and you'll be familiar with this. You might recognize this guy. His name's... Harold, uh, Harold, uh, uh, Howard Carver, Howard, yeah, Howard Carver, in 1922, he discovered what was called King Tut's tomb. And what's the point? Well, in ancient Egypt, they were thinking that, well, they were, you know, there was going to be afterlife that would be given to them through this pagan religion of Oresus and Isis. And so they stored all these things in his tomb. And you see the wheels of a chair. You see the parts of the chair. You see these various furnishings and these various things. And there were there was like bread and wheat and all kinds of stuff that were stored in King Tut's tomb. Thinking and believing that, well, in the afterlife, they'll just use these things to be going around different places. Problem is, Oresus and Isis, or any other pagan religion, are not going to get you beyond this world. It's only in Jesus. We've got to put our trust in Jesus. Not in some pagan religion and some fairy tale made up by the imagination of men and as evidence in the example of King Tut's tomb that you'll have all these things for the afterlife. Well, he never used them. Why? Because pagan religion doesn't bring you. You have to come to the true and living God. You have to come to Jesus to find it. Well, here's another example. Islam and Muhammad. I, I seen this picture just the other day. And, and, and it represents a lot of devotion of people. Of all these men bowed over and praying to Allah, their God, and uh, has been taught by Muhammad and uh, the so-called prophet of God. And it just, it just really makes me sad. Why? Well, Muhammad, he comes 600 years after Jesus. If Peter is right, Jesus is the one that has the words of eternal life, not Muhammad. If the scriptures is right and it came 600 years before Muhammad, then Muhammad certainly couldn't be right because Jesus gave us all truth. And he's the ones with, with the words of eternal life. He's the author of eternal salvation, not Muhammad, not the Quran. And so we have so many people that are believing this. And it's sad to me. In Facebook, there's, there's some people I've kind of made friends with in various countries of the world, and some of them are, are Muslim. And some of them are pretty nice and, and been able to converse and talk and what have you. And one of my questions is, 
is that, well, do you believe in the Bible? Well, yeah, yeah, we believe in the Bible. Well, as far as it's been handed down, we think it's been corrupted, and da-da-da-da-da, they, they go on and say. Well, that's not, you can't really believe in the Bible, because if you really believe the Bible, and that Jesus is the way, why would you look for somebody 600 years after when Jesus says He is the way, the truth, and the life? And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Why would you be looking for somebody else? Why would you believe anybody else when He says He is the way? He is the author. He's the source of eternal life. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, it's illogical to think and, and to make any kind of pretense of accepting the Bible as God's Word when God's Word says that Jesus is it. He's the answer. You can't turn to Islam. You can, but it's not going to bring eternal life, unfortunately. It is, of course, to be deceived in the worst in the worst form. And then you think about Judaism. If you're familiar a little bit about Jerusalem, this is the uh, the called the Wailing Wall. This is the western wall of the Temple Mount, and those bottom stones are kind of the original stones of the Temple Mount. And of course, it's been been rebuilt, but those bottom stones are there, and it's to be kind of a very sacred spot for uh, people in modern Judaism who. Follow the tenets of the uh, of the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, of the Pentateuch, and other things. And of course, they have a lot of traditions uh, steeped into their into their re- religious viewpoints now. But can we turn to Judaism? No. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. And he was a faithful Jew. He was the only Jew that kept the law perfectly and therefore fulfilled the law and then died on the cross to redeem us from a yoke of bondage that could not be born. And the problem with the law was not that the law was intrinsically bad, is that the people are bad, and people do wrong, and the law had no provisions for the forgiveness of sins. Only Jesus brings about the forgiveness of sins because of His great sacrifice. He has the words of eternal life. Not Moses and the law, not Moses and the prophets, they served their purpose because they ushered in the coming of the Messiah and prophesied and foretell. Can we turn to Judaism? Well, no. Remind me of a fellow that was had visited over there. And he had gone up to the uh, waiting wall and a lot of people say prayers there. And, and he was over there just looking and he just, I don't know, for whatever reason, he just, people, they write things and they stuff them in the cracks and he just pulled one out just to, out of curiosity and it said, you know, God, show me, or show me if Jesus is, is, is the real Messiah. I think that's sad. I hope that he got an answer to his prayer. I hope that he was sincere and genuine because he, if he looks at the facts, if he looks at the evidence, yeah, Jesus is the divine Son of God. Yes, Jesus is who he claims to be. The evidence is overwhelming. Can we turn to Judaism? Well, no. Because Judaism is not going to give us the words of eternal life. It was okay if we lived under the law and we were faithful to God and devoted to God under Old Testament law, under that law. Yeah, it's possible to be to be made right because the blood of Jesus Christ went back and forgave their sins also to the faithful Jews of the Old Testament, but not today. No, it's only in Jesus. And then you look at some various cults. It's Heaven's Gate. Now, this took place 20 years ago, 1997. The younger ones, you won't know unless you're a history student, but Heaven's Gate was an interesting cult. They really had a lot of smart people because most of them were like programmers and website designers back before they had all these programs where you could design your own. I mean, these guys were smart. I think there were some gals in it too. But they were really super smart people, but they got involved in this Heaven's Gate. 
and they got believing that somehow there was this uh, this comet that was coming through the solar system called the Hale-Bopp comet, and they were told that there's a spaceship up there, and what they need to do is to take uh, Ethan's poison pudding, and they'll they're going to be like transferred up to this spaceship. Well, that's all make believe. Why? Well, because Jesus has the one has the words of eternal life. It was not some spaceship behind, following behind the Hale-Bopp Hale uh, comet. No, Jesus is the one. And to be deceived and to be misled, it, it is so sad that you see in some of the cults, I mean, they, some of these, I mean, just way out things. For instance, uh, the Branch Davidians was another group where, where a very charismatic person uh, gets people and, and gets them uh, sprinkling a little bit of Bible and a lot of other things, and, and people follow them to their own destruction. And then you have, like, the Book of Mormon, which they say, yeah, yeah, we accept the Bible, but we think it's being corrupted now. We need the Book of Mormon to set it all straight and all correct. And that, that's not true either. It was given in the Scriptures, and it's described as the incorruptible Word of God. It's kind of an interesting thing that happened in one of the discussions with this Islamic fellow. And he was affirming that the Bible had been corrupted, that... Uh, that Well, you know, even your so-called scholars admit that it's been corrupted. You can't put trust in the Bible. Well, that's not true. The Bible has been faithfully handed down to us. And what we have is what Paul has, what Peter had, what the other New Testament Christians had as we look at the Scriptures. It's been faithfully translated into our language, and we can understand the same truth that they understood. But he says that it was corrupted. And that uh, the Quran came along under the, the final great prophet Muhammad, and he's given us truth. And now Muhammad and the Quran, they've been around for 1,400 years, and he says that Allah, now he's protected the Quran, and so it's not being corrupted. So my question was, well, how is it that Allah could protect the Quran, but he couldn't protect the Bible 600 years before that? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, so he never answered that. It's like he quit talking and then he chimed in the other day and we talked again. And, but well, how, can, how can you say that Allah would protect the Quran, but he couldn't, he couldn't protect the Bible? I mean, if Allah being the Arabic word meaning God, why, why couldn't God protect the Bible? Well, he did in his providence and has been protected and has been handed down faithfully. And you can study the scriptures, but it's kind of the same argument as our Mormon friends that say, well, you know, yeah, the Bible is corrupted by this great abominable church and the Book of Mormon, uh, you know, it sort of corrects all the, the things that have been misgiven and, and been taken out, the many precious parts that have been taken out and it supplies. That's not so. Bible's God's word and it has been faithfully handed down. Or you could look at Jim Jones and what happened down in, in French Guiana there in South America, another cultic group of people being taken off the wrong way, taken away from Jesus, taken away from Jesus' truth, taken away from His Word, and led down the wrong path. No, Jesus has the words of eternal life. Where can I go but to the Lord? Well, we can't go anywhere except Jesus. That's where we, the person we need to follow. And then there's another group that offers life beyond this world, and that is the Masonic Lodge. Now, some in the Masonic Lodge says they don't believe this. Okay, if that's what they say, that's what they say, but there are those that do. Uh, this is the Kentucky Monitor. There's a, there's a, a, a Mason fellow that, that gave me this book, and, 
and studied with him for a good long while about, but taking a quote from, from the book that he gave me, which is kind of their, kind of their, kind of their ritual book, down here at the bottom, where it says, then let us imitate our GMHA, that's kind of short for our Grand Master Hiram Abith, in all his varied perfection. Well, I really don't know any human being that has perfection except Jesus. What? That's what they claim. Let us emulate his amiable and virtuous character, his unfeigned piety to God, and his, unfle- and his inflexible fidelity to his trust. That, like him, we may welcome the grim tyrant death and receive him as a kind messenger sent by our supreme grand master, which translates the idea of God, the supreme God, and translate us from this imperfect to that all-perfect, glorious and celestial lodge above where the great architect of the universe presides uh, and forever reigns. How can they talk about something beyond this world, this grand lodge in the sky? I thought, I thought Jesus was the one that, that has the words of eternal life. Well, he is. Well, I thought Jesus is the source of eternal life. Well, he is. I thought Jesus is the one that has the words of eternal life. Yeah, he does. So where do these folks get this authority? They, they don't get it from God. They just, they just dream this up in their, in their little, in their little make-believe world and in their, in their organization. Or, like, this is taken from the, uh, Masonic Lodge website, when a brother Mason passes away, they have resolutions of respect. And this is what it says. In memory of our brother, a faithful Mason, who passed uh, uh, from the bonds of this earth on September 7, 2016, once again a brother Mason has finished the designs written for him on the trestle board of life, laid his working tools down, and passed on to, etern- to, on to eternity to receive the rewards of the master Mason. Wait a minute. How can you have rewards of a master mason beyond this world? They have no authority to, to speak those words. Why? Because Jesus is the one that has the words of eternal life. Jesus is the one that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's exclusive. It's not through masonry. It's not through Islam. It's not through Judaism. It's not through some cultic group. And to talk about that there's, there's some heavenly reward, as it is pleased, Almighty God, to call our brother to the heavenly reward, and whereas in his passing the fraternity has lost a true and faithful brother and his family a beloved member, uh, therefore be it, uh, and they go on and talk about some words there of, uh, of comfort. What, what's the problem? Masonic Lodge does not give you a, a, a reward, uh, an eternal reward, or a, grand lo- a place in the Grand Lodge in the sky. It's only Jesus. If I read these texts right, now maybe I misread them, maybe I misunderstood them, uh, and if so be, hey, what they point that out where I mis, mis, uh, misunderstood these texts that we began our study from. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Lord, to whom shall we go? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. There is no other salvation in any other except in the name of Jesus. Well, I, they're pretty plain now. If I missed it, well, I'm, I'm open for discussion and to talk about it. But if I haven't missed it, and I think it's pretty obvious when you look at those words, yeah, it looks like Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And if people are being misled, well, we just got to keep trying to teach and try to show the Scriptures that yeah, Jesus is the answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? I hope we don't turn to Freemasonry because that's not going to get us to heaven. Or in Catholic traditions, these cathedrals, these humongous cathedrals, are, and several countries have traveled. There's a lot of that that you'll see. 
even very poor countries. I mean, people living in shacks and lean-tos, but they'll have these humongous uh, cathedrals. And when I was in Nicaragua this, this last time, back in July, it was pointed out to me, because they live in a place where there's very steeped in, in the Catholic tradition, is Mariology. That is, that Mary is called the Queen of Heaven. And she's like a co-redeemer. And that people put their trust in Mary and the Guadalupe and all these things and giving homage to Mary as if she is a co-redeemer, that she's Mary, the mother of God. If you've got a pencil and paper, I can give you all the verses to write down that talks about about Mary as the mother of God. Are you ready? Okay. There's none. There's absolutely no verse that says that Mary is the mother of God. Mary was the mother of Jesus. That is his physical side. But not his spiritual side. Because Jesus was incarnated into the womb of Mary in this babe that developed in her womb. Jesus was incarnated. That is, he existed before. Because he says, for instance, in John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. That's a phrase of divinity, I am, deity, because deity has always existed. And before Abraham even existed, Jesus says, I am. He had pre-existence, not in a tabernacle of flesh, but his pre-existence as part of the eternal Godhead. And so there are people that, again, have, have, have gone astray and putting trust in, in the papacy and church traditions in, in, in the Roman Catholic Church. No. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got it all right here. It's called the Bible. And it gives us all the information we need to know. Don't look somewhere else. Don't look in human tradition. Don't look in the organizations of men. Don't look at at some so-called Prophet Muhammad or the Prophet Joseph Smith. No, it's all found in Jesus. He is the only answer. He has the words of eternal life. Put your trust in the Lord and what He says. That's what we're appealing people to do. Follow Jesus. Don't follow anybody else. As we're going to sing this song here in this room, where can I go? If you don't go to Jesus, well, you can start looking from here to doomsday and you're not going to find anybody else. There's not going to be some other group. There's not going to be some organization. There's not going to be some other religious teacher. If you turn away from Jesus, if you don't uh, follow Him, you're not going to get eternal life. Because it's only found in Jesus Christ. Lord, to whom shall we go? Peter says, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure, and I believe and am sure, that Jesus is the Savior. There is no other Savior. There is no other book. There is no other message that emanates from Jesus but right here in this book called the Bible. And that's what we are appealing people to. Follow Jesus. Follow His truth. Why? Because He's the Savior. He's the one that died on the cross that made redemption possible. That's one of the problems I see in Islam or Judaism. I mean, Judaism did emanate from God in the Old Testament. But the problem is they had no, they had no sacrifice for sin. They had animal sacrifices, but it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Islam, they just, in an arbitrary fashion, Allah just forgives. But where's justice? In the moral universe, there is no justice to say, well, Allah just can, uh, he, he can be merciful, he can be forgiving. Well, God is merciful and God is forgiving, but divine justice was meted out upon Jesus and therefore he can manifest mercy and yet maintain justice in the, in the universe that we live in. 
And we believe and are sure, Peter says, that thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. The Son of the living God. He is the Redeemer. He is the author. He's the source of everlasting life. Only in Jesus. There's no other place. And it's sad. Folks have gone astray. Seeking after somebody else. Looking for other places. Well, all the answer, all the answer is right here. And that's all we're offering people. That's all we have to offer to people. But that's all that we need. Eternal life. Forgiveness. Salvation. Salvation means to be saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from destruction. You see, in the day of judgment, there's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be a day of destruction and doom. Why? Because of sin. We, we are excuseless. We have no excuse for our sins. But in Jesus, we can be forgiven. And in Jesus, we can find salvation. And in Jesus, we can have eternal life. God's plan to save man is to come to Jesus, is to believe in Jesus, is to obey His will and those steps of coming to Jesus, of hearing and believing and repenting, confessing and being baptized. I mean, these, these are steps that, that, that Jesus talked about. And we, we've got verses up there and we give tons of other verses that talk about these kinds of steps that brings us to Jesus of coming, believing with our whole heart that Jesus is the is the is the Savior. Because in fact He is. There is no other way to get to God. There's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other way to find eternal life except in Jesus. But it's open and available to all. Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. The bride and the Spirit say, Come, let him that is thirst come. Jesus is inviting all to come and bask and enjoy the blessings of salvation and redemption. He is merciful. He is forgiving. But it's found only in Jesus and His sacrifice. So what He did at Calvary, because of God's divine grace and divine favor and His love and mercy, Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins, and therefore we can come to Him and find this forgiveness, this salvation, to be rescued, rescued from condemnation, and also to receive life everlasting. We're going to sing the song to your encouragement. If there's one here... As we sing the song, Where Can I Go? Well, it's Jesus. And if you want to come to Jesus, we stand here to assist you to obey the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we can help in any way, you come and let us know why together as we stand and as we sing.